John McKendrick is a referee who got his break in the juniors before taking charge of over 300 senior games. But after retiring from top-level football, he wasn't finished and wanted to go back to where it all began. Now every weekend you'll find John, Professor John to give him his full title, as a man in the middle somewhere in the west of Scotland League. John joins us on the show this week and reveals just how good a grounding junior football was for him and explains why he's not prepared to hang up his whistle just yet. If you happen to be at one of his games, you can look out for his legendary warm-up, which he tells us all about. We hear whether referees really take notice of their ratings in the papers and why there is a shortage of officials right now. There's also the time he held up the injury time board without realising the batteries were flat and just how many red cards he dished out. Plus, there's the day he got lost going to an orienteering competition, how Michael Palin inspired him to cycle to Nepal, and his passion for ending child poverty. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, we start with some tragic news this week, I'm afraid. Uh, you may have seen it online, but the chairman of New Mains United, Ken Davis, passed away suddenly at the age of 69 on Tuesday. Ken is also Paul's father, and he was a friend of mine too. He worked tirelessly to improve things at New Mains, and his support from the sidelines and his efforts to get that club on the straight and narrow will be a huge miss. More than that, he was a great man. Needless to say, Paul isn't with us this week, but rest in peace, Ken and Paul. We're all thinking of you, pal. In Paul's absence, we have a good friend of the show back again. He was assistant boss at Stranra and formerly Airdrie's director of football. He scouted for Ross County and West Brom and not forgetting his management spells at Kaluk Rovers and Cumbernauld United too. It is, of course, Stuart Miller. Thanks for stepping in tonight, Stuart. You're very welcome, Gareth. Happy with that build-up? Well, I, I thought it was a wee bit diluted, to be totally honest. I was director of football also at Stranra. Uh, I was chief scout at Ross County. Uh, and I was chief scout for West Brom in Scotland, as I was the only one in Scotland. So, But I, I think it's worth following up, Gareth, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I knew Ken... Uh, for a number of years. Not, I wouldn't say particularly well, but I came across him at a number of stadiums uh, throughout the years. I, ironically, uh, when I was working with Ross County, I came across him at Motherwell and Gretna. Uh, I remember meeting him one day when I was there with Derek Adams at Dens Park. and uh, Just a nice man, a football man, a genuine man. Uh, and at this present time, uh, our thoughts are obviously with Paul and the, his family. So, as you say, rest in peace, Ken, and uh, hopefully Paul's back sooner rather than later. No, I appreciate, uh, appreciate that, uh, Stuart. And uh, I think we all think the same same about Ken that way. Um, I did hear in between your last appearance on the podcast, you've been spotted by Olympic athletes as being a co-presenter of Down the Divisions now. That's correct, Gareth. Uh, I, I'll probably need to start wearing a disguise, you know, or a wig or something, uh, because very recently an Olympic athlete, Derek Hawkins, one of the 
famous Hawking brothers, uh, long-distance runners for Scotland and uh, Great Britain. He actually approached me and he said, uh, still doing the podcast. And I thought, oh, I said, what podcast's that? <laughs> he said, down the division. And I went, oh, right. I, uh, when's it coming back on? Because it hadn't been on for a couple of weeks. So uh, eventually you became famous, not through your journalism, obviously, but through down the divisions. Uh, so Derek Hawkins, a lovely guy, a very successful athlete. Uh, he actually is a coach at my youngest daughter's athletics club at Airdrie Harriers. Uh, and so, anyway, we're famous now, Gareth. Well, uh, I'm, 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 ju- I'm just privileged to have given you the platform to, uh, I mean, everybody knows you're a, a great man in the community, but just to give the, the people of the wider world a little bit of an insight into into the work you do. Uh, well, the, the 40 years in football really means nothing. You know what I mean? When somebody like Derek recognises your work, so well, we're pleased I'll, to have you. We're pleased to have you here, Stuart, and we're pleased to have have Derek uh, listening. Um, a quick word for our sponsors: Media Agency Forty Four Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers, and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation, or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook Twitter or Instagram. My name's Tommy Sloan, Ockinlet Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Top referee John McKendrick is with us this week. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Thanks very much. Delighted to be invited. We'll uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One down then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, we'll bring you both in. Uh, No answers at this point, please, but see what you think. This week, I'm looking for the club that was formed by the congregation of a local church who agreed to take a month to each save £3 to get the club going. Oh, it's too easy, Gareth. Got it. Got it. They're named after the patron saint from the town where they play. Okay. Right, this this will help you. They're one of the oldest clubs in the South of Scotland League. Yeah. Oh. I, I'd better right. be this. I've got it. <laughs> and the town where they play has a harbour. It does. You're right. Well done. Uh, and <laughs> John McKendrick had a nightmare at that particular ground. So I, that'll cover quite a few grounds. I have uh, I have ruined a Saturday for uh, the the fans of this particular club on the line in the the Scottish Cup way back in the day. We'll and find out the answer at the end of the show. Hi, my name is David Bakey. I'm the chairman of Tayport Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Top referee John McKendrick, Professor John McKendrick, I think possibly is is, is that right, John? Indeed, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's a job. 
Yes, yeah. So Professor John McKendrick's on the show this week. Um, before we come on to your, your university uh, life, uh, you started off in the juniors. You progressed all the way to refereeing at the highest level in Scotland. And now you're back in the West of Scotland League. Tell us a bit about why, why you're there, why you're doing that on a Saturday now. Well, you're either the choice of a Saturday of joining the wife in the supermarket uh, or sitting in the stands and offering your advice to a young referee uh, or getting out there yourself and keeping it going. Uh, so to me, it was a no-brainer. Uh, the old legs are still functioning. Uh, I still love that buzz of the 90 minutes. Uh, I think I can still do a job. So I think my time is best served right now on the park. I absolutely love it. And I can keep going as long as I possibly can. People, people will say... I mean, you talk about a Saturday with the wife or watching watching stuff as a, as a senior sort of member on, on the SFA or whatever. But some of the stick you must get on a Saturday, I mean, the, the rewards aren't there. What is it enjoyment? Oh, it's, yeah, it's the buzz. I mean, financials got nothing to do with it. It's, it's the buzz of that 90 minutes. And the, the, I think the, the abuse is overstated, to be honest. I mean, yes, you get abuse, but, you know, that kind of washes over you most of that. Most of it's light-hearted. Uh, certainly most of it, in fact, almost all of it's forgotten at the end of 90 minutes. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the goods, the, the pluses far outweigh the minuses as, as, as far as the refereeing goes. Just, just a point of correction, uh, Gareth, I started off in the boys' brigade, uh, worked up to the under youth football through amateurs, did about a Sunday league football before I got to the juniors. And I, and I was a juniors in my day. And I think it's really important maybe to say that, you know, juniors was a big thing. You know, when I, when I started out, getting promoted to the juniors was massive. You know, senior football was miles away. There was, there was something, I'm, I'm from Ayrshire, you know, Ayrshire juniors is where I, I, I kind of cut my cloth. And it was a big thing in our association to go on the juniors. So you had, to, you had to earn your stripes and have a right to be a juniors referee. You and John go back away, Stuart, so you must have had some really good successful wins when John was refereeing for you. Absolutely not, Gareth. Uh, John and I have probably been friends for a long, long time. Uh, I find him a very genuine guy, uh, good humour, uh, which sometimes uh, you, you tend to get a laugh at him on a Saturday between 3 and 25, but uh, just a genuine guy. I've been his taxi driver at the PFA uh, awards for quite a few years, uh, but I enjoy his company. Uh, whatever decision he makes on a Saturday when whatever club I've been at uh, is irrelevant. You know, I know it's a genuine mistake he's made. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just a, a good guy who, who had a terrific career. Uh, and as I say, I'm proud to call him a friend. Uh, and uh, which I can't say about a lot of referees, right enough, because you never get that close to them. Uh, with John, he was always very much a neutral. Um, I mean, I can tell the story about a certain club I was at, and, and I once phoned John. John tended to be my circuit breaker uh, <laughs> and stopped me phoning John Fleming uh, and, and Crawford Allen. I used to run it past John first and saying, keeps giving us a red card, you know, and doing this and doing that. John, obviously, in his, in his wisdom, would tell me the rights and wrongs and whatever. And I ended up not speaking to any of these guys uh, because John was that circuit breaker, as I said. Uh, but I do remember a particular club I was at, 
Uh, I'll not mention the club. I mean, people might be able to work it out, but the manager of this particular club, <laughs> next door neighbour, was a well-known referee. And you would think there's a wee bit of, ah, yes, know them because of the neighbours. That the, the, the referee's children used to actually go to school with the manager's children. They played in the same boys' club together. So there was a connection. There was a relationship there. So uh, <laughs> from one extreme to the other, I then asked John why this particular referee had sent off eight players out the last 10 games that he'd refereed uh, my club and the manager's club. John was taken aback a wee bit, but seemed to know that anyway. So uh, I can assure you, within the refereeing circles, there is no favouritism. I'm not saying it goes the other way, you know, and you actually, you know, make sure that there's no favouritism, but eight red cards out of the previous 10 matches was uh, quite quite the opposite way. So John will confirm that, I'm sure. So, But no, delighted he's on the programme uh, with you tonight, Gareth, uh, and uh, look forward to listening to, to John's tales. I was going to say, John, you've, you've obviously come back into the West of Scotland League you were in the juniors previously. Is it a different game now? I know it's got a different kind of brand and different stamp on it with the the new setup and everything. But do you notice things that are different to what it what it was like when you started? And I, I'm just finding my feet. I've only done about a dozen games now back in the west of Scotland, and, and do apologise because I I will be calling it the juniors all night. You know, and I know that's wrong, but I'm going to make that mistake and get that out of the way. Um, I've been to some clubs that I've not been to before and it's a long time since I refereed on my own so that's very different for me but that's a very different type of football but I've had the good fortune in the last few weeks to be at Auchinleck, Cumnock, Darvo and, and Hurlford some of the kind of giants of junior football and that's as it always was and it's great to see the factors as it always was in fact some of the, the faces from first time around were there as well which was really nice you know and you got a chance to talk to the committee um, they tell you where you went wrong and you nod your head politely and you know have a drink of juice at the end of the game. Uh, no, so I, I don't think there's too much difference at the high end of the, the West of Scotland Football League is as it was beforehand. It's a fantastic level of football uh, and you know that, that is me, I'm not patronising, I genuinely believe it's a fantastic level of football. There's something special about it. Yeah, I think everybody's worry, if you like, is with the pyramid that you might lose that something special and that will remain to be seen whether that's the case or not. But as it is just now, it's as good as it always was. And and is it is it the same game to referee? Well, it's not the same referee that's doing it because uh, you know I've got fifty-two year old legs yeah. now, and uh, you know, and I've got a, but I thought there's a thought I've got the head of a fifty-two year old as well. So you know, you, you referee in a different way. So I, I thought, and I have to be honest, I'm not as quick as I was when I was thirty. And it, you know, I'd be a, it'd be something special if I was. So the style of refereeing is slightly different. But you've got other tools, you know, and as I say, I've refereed for quite a while and I, I know where things are going to happen, I know when things are going to happen, I can get myself into a position that I can maybe compensate for the fact that the legs aren't as quick as they used to be. So it's a different style of refereeing for me, but, you know, your, your, your wee fly tricks that you've got to use, your, your how you manage a player, you know, how you get yourself out of a tricky situation, and that's the same as it always was. And, and do you, to, to try and combat the 52-year-old legs, do you still have these legendary warm-ups <laughs> that, that, that are well-known in refereeing circles? 
Well, you know, you, you, you've got to be efficient with your energy, Gareth. You've got to know when to use your, your sprints, and the warm-up's not a time for that. The, the warm-up a time for me is a time to talk to the crowd. You know, <laughs> what I like with that is, you know, you know, talking to the guy and telling him, you know, make sure you can give me a wee drink of juice if I'm, I'm flagging a wee bit halfway through the half. Telling him, as I did at the Meadow the other week there, that the Meadow were getting nothing because it was cheeky to me before the match. <laughs> Catching up with the coaches that invariably were players uh, at some stage first time around, so... No, the, the, the warm-up's nothing to do with fitness. It's, it's a social thing, the warm-up. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart you, you, you talk about, you know, when John's refereed you, and you, you've obviously seen refereeing over the years. How, how do you think um, how do you think the refereeing has changed? And we'll get John's opinion on that in a minute as well. How has refereeing over the years changed for you? Maybe not just in terms of making decisions, but some of what John was referring to there is the kind of the, the man management, the kind of having a bit of banter and, and stuff like that. It, 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 to be fair, it's easier for John at the age he's at and in his career that he's had, uh, that he's just leaning on his experience, you know. He's not getting, there's not an observer there, you know, testing him and for everything that he's done. Uh, it's a wee bit different for the, the SPFL referees or officials in general who are obviously, you know, questioned in every decision they make. So it can be a wee bit more relaxing with no disrespect to the level John's at and the level John's been at. Uh, so he's entitled to relax uh, and kind of pick and choose his games and pick and choose the level that he wants to referee at. Uh, but I used to always say when I was a player, Gareth, many, many years ago, the Hope brothers were great. You know, the, the, you could speak to them. You know, if, if you got a if you received a bad challenge, then you gave it back, and then they would run up beside you and say, "That's that, that's an even one one." You know, <laughs> things like that. You know, you could speak. You, you could Jim McCluskey was an absolute gentleman. You know, uh, you could talk to him, but there was a line. That you never, you, you, you made sure that you never uh, went over that line, uh, and it was the same with the Hope brothers, Brian McGinley and such like. You know, even Bob Valentine, uh, that that you know never very rarely smiled or anything like that. You know, but there was a line, and you didn't go over that line. But people talk about the tackling being a lot worse. <laughs> It just means there was tackling in the days. There's no such thing as tackling now. Uh, it's the same with heading a ball. You used to be able to header it, you know. Obviously, there's other things connected to that nowadays. But I do feel sorry for the officials. I do think they're doing their best. I, I've said to John in the past that, you know, we've lost a lot of experienced officials and it's a lot of young guys that are coming in, learning their trade. So naturally, they're going to make mistakes learning their trade. Uh, very difficult when you're connected to a club, sitting in a stand <laughs> like I was, and thinking, oh, well, that's OK. They're learning their trade, you know what I mean? And and our manager maybe loses his job or whatever, you know, and players are dropped uh, on, on the basis of, of, of decisions, be it penalties, free kicks or whatever. But so... It most certainly has changed. Uh, has it changed for the better? Probably not, but we're, we're so efficient, you know. We're, it's like robots nowadays, unfortunately, you know, compared to my time. But then again, maybe I'm a bit of a dinosaur. No comment. Uh, John, uh, <laughs> you, would you agree with some of that? Has refereeing, refereeing changed over the years, do you think? 
Absolutely, Stuart, as a dinosaur, there's absolutely no doubt about it. <laughs> of course it's changing, it, it kind of had to change in a way, because football's changed. I mean, footballers now are more athletic, and if referees aren't athletic, then that would show. You, know, you, you see, you need a different type of referee. Now, I've no doubt your Hope brothers, fantastic, um, you know, both uh, Dougie and Kenny, Jim McCluskey, and you know, everybody else you, you, you mentioned there as well, McGinley, they would adapt. But they wouldn't be the same type of referee. You know, they, they maybe have the, the core there, but they'd have to layer that with what the, the guys have got today. They'd need to have the fitness. They'd need to watch themselves because social media uh, is something that's important now as well. And that's not just a case of what you do outside the game. You know, it's not just a case of the SPFL games are scrutinised their performance. Most of the teams in the west of Scotland have got somebody videoing the games. And, you know, I think Stuart had kind of hinted at it. Those videos are getting into the SFA. You know, if there's a decision they don't like, and um, that, that makes its way in. So there's a lot of scrutiny that wasn't there beforehand. So I think refereeing had to change uh, for, for that reason as well. Um, the, the thing about losing jobs, managers losing jobs, the thing that I look back and I'm really disappointed about is I, I never get a new manager phoning me up to thank me for the bad decision I made with the last manager that got in the job. I think what you had, John, in your favour, in all honesty, is the people skills side of it. You know, I mean, you you could talk to people, and and even if it was the wrong decision in in their eyes, then at least you explained it. You could talk to you, and that's players of my generation always used to say, at least you can talk to him. You can talk to him. You know, uh, that is that is lacking nowadays. Maybe it is because the younger element don't want to expose themselves by what they say, and they're held to every single word. Uh, but Again, I wish at times, and I, I've been very supportive, as you know, of the the, the referees over recent years. Uh, that I just wish there was a wee bit more people skills, a wee bit more understanding of the job. Maybe it works both ways, right enough, you know. Uh, but uh, no, I, I've I've no complaints in recent times, you know, and, uh, about about the standard and the job that Crawford's doing as well which I think is very, very good. You know, he's, he's certainly got the respect of people within football. John, uh, you, you may correct me again here with these stats, but um, I was looking earlier, started refereeing with the SFA in 1986. I believe you. Became Category 1 referee in 2005. That sounds about right. Now, this might be an old stat. Over 300 top flight games. Probably right, probably right. And you've officiated. Sorry. Go on, go on. And you've officiated at every senior ground in Scotland. I certainly did. Yes, that's correct. So, yeah. if if I was to take you right back to your first juniors game. Yeah, remember what, it well. Can you tell us about it and tell us how you felt knowing what junior football was like back in those days and how did it go? Sure. I, I obviously, went like a dream. Uh, it was Evan Vix against Cowan Rangers. Now, I wasn't meant to be refereeing it. I only refereed it because the referee couldn't make it. So I was called in as a, a late replacement. Not a bad way to get your first game. And if anybody knows the Vix, it's a really narrow park. You know, it's, it's a, probably the narrowest park in Scotland. It's a really odd shape. You know, you really don't have much room to run about in the Vix. It's, it's hard to avoid the players. Uh, and they were playing Cowan Rangers, and I grew up in Cowan. That's not, it's not the best game to get to start with. Uh, you can have lost a lot of friends. Thankfully, I wasn't staying in Cowan at the time. I'd moved on, but uh, I, I've just got a blur about the game. It seemed it seemed to go okay, but that just made me my uh, hazy, hazy memory of it. 
Uh, I did actually start refereeing really young, as, as I say, I was a boys' brigade uh, staff sergeant taking a team, and they came out with a new ruling that they didn't want uh, boys' brigade staff sergeants taking uh, refereeing matches unless they had a refereeing qualification. So that's how I kind of stumbled into it really was, you know, I was forced to, in order to take that team, I had to get the qualification and then it just kind of stuck, you know, it just kind of grew on me. I, I, I kind of progressed quite quickly in, in the days when you didn't progress quickly uh, through the amateurs, when I was doing amateur select games, I was doing amateur playoff finals in Ayrshire, at that time there was North and South divisions, but I got a wee bit disheartened because I wasn't getting promoted, probably too impatient and I chucked refereeing uh, when I was, oh, let me think maybe 20 year old, I gave it up, moved to England for a few years and then get the bug when I was back down there and took it back up and uh, I was assistant referee in the North West Counties League for, for a, a few years, moved back to Scotland and then picked it back up again. So, you know, I've been about for a while and then a few wee stop starts in between as well. But yeah, it's, I mean, I, I look back with a lot of pride, refereeing every senior ground in Scotland, refereeing the Giants of junior football uh, in the West because you tended to stick to your regions. So, I mean, I, I think just as um, just as exciting for me was the, the first Talbot Cumnock game that I got and then the ones that followed that, you know, that's 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 up there with anything, I'll be honest, and, and always will be. How, uh, tell us a bit more about those games. I mean, we all know, we all know what they're like, being the referee in the middle of it all. You know, you're on your own there, aren't you, as well? Uh, t- 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 I mean, so I suppose maybe sometimes would you have added a would you add a line? We're, 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 uh, we're um, definitely two assistants for, for that division. In fact, it's still the case, of course, the West of Scotland Premier, you'll get your two assistant referees um, today. And, you'd, you'd, and yesteryear, when I was a referee, it was the same as well. I, I remember actually being given the game. I was invited to um, the, the opening of Luger Boswell Thistle's clubhouse. And I was sitting next to Matt Spears, wonderful man, Matt Spears, absolutely wonderful man, who um, gave out the games in Ayrshire. And he just kind of told me that I'd be refereeing uh, Talbot and Cumnock the next week. Um, absolutely buzzing to get it. Uh, and the game went really well. You know, it was one of the games where it, it went for you. Um, they're never easy, um, but they're fantastic. And um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a kind of other story to that, because that was the, the first year that I was on the... Yeah, that was the first year that was on the Scottish um, the list the list of referees and I was told by Jim McCluskey that I wouldn't be getting promoted this year you know just find your feet Jim McCluskey was my association manager by then he'd, he'd retired from refereeing so I'd been promoted that year me and my colleague and we said look just find your feet in the senior football you're not getting promoted this year but then I refereed Talbot and Cumlock and it was Jim's friend actually that was supervising me Joe Timmons and uh, himself a, you know, a stellar referee in his day and Joe gave me a mark that was through the roof and basically told Jim McCluskey, you need to give him a chance to get promoted this year. So it happened really quickly. So I've been told I wasn't getting a, a chance to get promoted up the level. Um, next thing I knew, that uh, Jim was coming up to watch me referee Ardross and Winton against Solcoats on a Wednesday night so that he could speak on my behalf at the meeting. So, you know, not only did the game go well, um, but, you know, I, I got a wee uh, promotion boost in, in the back of that as well. Yeah, I was I was just going to touch on there, John, that Stuart mentioned earlier about the the referees becoming younger and younger, getting fast tracked. Do you think the referee you became was a product of having gone through the junior system and having and having you know learned your trade effectively in the juniors, and it made you into the referee that you were prepared you for going up the leagues. And maybe some of the younger referees now, because they're obviously younger and, you know, wanting to get there quicker. 
they miss out on some of that education a little bit? I, I think so. It's understandable, though. I mean, one of the, one of the, the challenges that Scottish refereeing has got is that it, it operates in a European context. And in Europe, the referees get promoted younger these days. That's the way it is. And if Scotland wants to have top flight referees, and Scottish football benefits by Scotland having top flight referees, then our referees have to move into the FIFA ranks at a younger age as well. So that's been a driver. You know, it's, it's, it's not a case that somebody's made a conscious decision that we, we, we want young referees and we'll move them through very quickly. It's really responding to the fact that that's what Europe wants. And, you know, if we want to keep up with Europe, then we have to push our referees through that a little bit more quickly. But I think there are downsides. And I think you, you point that out, Gareth. I mean, I, was, I, I look back and I think I was fortunate. You know, when I went into amateurs, I had the benefit of learning my craft at youth football. When I went into juniors, I drew upon that amateur experience I had. And when I went into seniors... I drew upon the junior experience, and that was built up through time. So you were ready for that level. Whereas I think what, what what has to happen now, if I'm honest about it, referees go up when they've got potential, rather than necessarily completely being the polished product. And as, as you know, Stuart pointed out, you can learn your craft at the lower level of every step up, rather than having demonstrated your craft at the level at the level below that. Um, but I mean, there are some outstanding young referees. That's the other thing that we need to reflect on as well. I mean, I can remember uh, Nick Walsh when Nick Walsh was in the juniors, uh, superly highly regarded by the SFA, and he was an outstanding referee from the get-go. And of course, he, he refereed the, the Scottish Cup final in an old firm game uh, last season. So I don't think that every young referee is necessarily uh, not able to referee at that level, but they do obviously lack experience and they're acquiring that as they go. John, thoroughly enjoyed listening to your... your, your uh whatever the hell I'm going to call it, I don't know, about your stories of uh, the juniors in particular, which you're very passionate about. But I'm going to go back to your senior career, when obviously, well, the highlight you once told me is being a fourth official, uh, especially when you were on TV. You seem to take ages putting up that board at the end, especially, I mean... The game at Hibs Rangers, I think it was a year or two ago. You seem to take an eternity. You couldn't, you couldn't work the board, putting up the time, and you oh, told me it was because the that's, TV that's, was on. That's no, yeah. It's wee Jimmy Bell. Wee Jimmy Bell was like sending me. He was giving me numbers that didn't exist. He was just making a fool of me. Uh, uh, no, John, that was for added on time. Jimmy Bell doesn't tell you how much time you add on. Surely, Jimmy Bell referees matches. Jimmy Bell can tell you exactly how long you're playing. And you don't argue with Jimmy. You know, he's in charge of the tea after the game. Brilliant. Brilliant. You know, but I, uh, Gareth, he loves the spotlight being on him. And he just, you know, that that board, how many minutes, you know, just can, focuses on him. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to... Can I tell you a couple of stories? First time ever used it, Scottish Junior Cup final. Um, fourth man to uh, one of my local guys, Jamie, Jamie Downey, who's refereeing at uh, Auchin Lake. Um, and I puts up the board. I, did, I didn't know when to put up the board. Nobody told me that you put it up 10 seconds before the end of the match. I've got it up two minutes before the end of the match. They're running down to me saying, what's on, what's on, there's only eight minutes. But even worse than that, there was no number going up. I'm holding up this board with no number because the battery had ran out and I hadn't checked it. I'm flashing around this da, 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 da. absolute joke. And then uh, worse than that, I, I'm, I'm fourth man to Big Charlie Richmond. Big Charlie, Ayrshire referee. I'm his fourth man, Rangers Mudable. Now, as my, my, my memory's a bit dodgy at my age, but let, let me run with it anyway. Rangers are going for the league at the time. 
Uh, but Motherwell are, are holding out and they're wasting time as if, you know, we need to waste time like nobody's business. And it's dragging on and dragging on. But eventually Rangers turn it around and Rangers, Rangers are in the ascendancy. They've got the points you need. Muddle have wasted all that time. And you're hooked up. You're hooked up with the referee. And he says to Big Charlie, Charlie, but one minute added time. Charlie's like, no, John, four minutes. So I says, Charlie, it was, it was Motherwell that was wasting the time. He says, no, no, John, four minutes, four minutes we're having. So I put up this four minutes and I have, I, Stuart says I like the limelight. I very much don't like the limelight, but I love this limelight. I've got a brilliant photograph of Walter Smith ready to kill me, been held back, um, held back by several bodies while he's, you know, the, the shirt's getting dragged away and he's leaning forward for me, ready to go. And I'm holding this up thinking, you're right, Walter, you know, I'm not telling him that, but I mean, you're spot on. It's this idiot in the middle that's told me four minutes. He came in at the end of the game and apologised to me, uh, Walter Smith, but I think he was doing that to have a go at the referee. But, um, oh, that, that, that caused me nightmares there, boards, absolute nightmares. <laughs> My, I'll try and rack your brain a wee bit here. Do you remember how many yellow cards you gave out in your senior career? Hardly any. I, I tell you, what, what I do remember was the Daily Record had a league table of who gave out the least amount of yellow cards and red cards one season. It was one of the few seasons I was refereeing in the Premier. Uh, and uh, I was, I was depending on the way you want to look at it, I was top or bottom of the league in terms of giving out the fewest cards. That was something I, I had a, a matter of pride for me. So, no, I mean, I, I think there'd be something far wrong with me if I could tell you how many cards I'd managed. Because what I tried to do was manage a game. You know, if I, if I could get, if I could keep an idiot in the park by talking with that guy, managing it, toning it down, that was a job well done for me. And I think a lot of referees are like that. They don't get credit for it. But, you know, a lot of referees would prefer to manage. And the cards are a last resort tool. And sometimes you need to use those last resort tools. But, um, you know, if you can get away with it, you rather would. Right. So if I tell you that I've done my research and know how many yellow cards. Go on. Right. Gareth said it was... Roughly over 300 games. Top okay. Roughly. Okay, I've got 290, but listen, I'll go at your word, 300, okay? Uh, you gave out 705 yellow cards. I would say that's a lie. That is a downright I, I would, lie. I would say that's you, obviously, failing to take responsibility once again. Uh, that works out at just under three yellow cards per game. Oh, you, you've got this wrong. You get me mixed up so, with somebody else there. Um, I, I, mean, must, I must be. I Wally Collum. No, no. Double you call him. No, no. This definitely says Jai McKendrick. Could you tell uh, me how many red cards? Bear uh, in mind, I've got the answer. Red? How many red cards did you give out? I, I didn't even take out red cards with me. I no? just left it in the dressing room. Right. Well, I'll remind you one particular game whilst I was at Ross County's Chief Scout. Oh, that wait a minute. Oh, here we go. Your memory coming back to you. I remember that game. I still have nightmares You've obviously, you've caught that bug that referees have of loss of memory, uh, which dramatically comes back when it suits you. Right, do you remember that game, Livingston? It was an aberration. That was an outlier. An outlier, that game. <laughs> I, I, I take it Derek Adams just took the two red cards in his stride and, well, and George you know, that, that shows you what you know because there was three red cards there was one after the match yes, as well. one after the match you never seen 
the, the assistant referee alerted me to some choice uh, freezes that were directed towards him in the tunnel area and we had to call in an extra one and send him off as well. And then I was, I know, I gently shut the door uh, on on the manager and the, the manager's father when they were trying to discuss with me the finer points of my referee performance that day. And it, it, it was comical, actually. I mean, we, we were killing ourselves laughing in the dressing room because I was more concerned about a lawsuit that might come away. So as I'm trying to shut the door, a hand still through the doorway, and I'm saying, I'm shutting the door now, I'm closing the door over, the door's getting closed, just so that the hand would remove at the last minute. Uh, but yeah, that was a, you know, and you know, I don't know if you'll remember, I'm sure you do, Stuart, where the SFA decided to send me two weeks later to, to referee um, Ross County at home at Airdrie. So I thought, that's, that's lovely, you know, somebody for Airdrie. Right. There was also another game, John. Okay. Where you decided to produce your red cards. Uh, this time I've got three red cards marked down again. Do you remember the other game where you produced three I, red cards? Assistant referees, honestly, they're always telling me to send people off. Uh, I remember it, and you know the, the, about the referees. The assistant referee did actually get involved in one, and the, the last one was assistant well, it's referee. Well, very unusual assistant referees get involved in anything. Well, I'm you, um, uh, I'll try to think now who was the, the, the said gentle come back to me, but yep, I remember that game well. Fantastic derby, Breakin and Forfar managed uh, to get myself a last minute equaliser, which gave me the replay. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Sorry. So for somebody that never gave out a red card, okay. Two games at three hundred. That's not bad. Uh, so how many red cards do you think you gave out in total? I don't know, maybe nine. Well, Ten. Maybe try again. For a friend, fifty fifty. Fifteen? No, no. Twenty two red cards you have produced. Dear dear. Which, that's a lot of writing. <laughs> a lot of writing that could be avoided. No, uh, absolutely. I, I I think you get that wrong, Stuart. Okay, wrong. right. You gave out one red card every thirteen games. Uh, unlucky for me. Uh, I'm, <laughs> you, you, absolutely so, ruining my reputation. I, I, I mean, I, I supervisors that would say to me, you know, John, I wouldn't let my young referees come out and watch you. And that was what you used to say to me because I managed a game in a way that was perhaps yes. somewhat unorthodox. Oh, oh <laughs> listen, it was very much so. You're right there. Uh, what I would say is those the three red cards that you gave out at Breaking Forfa was actually the same amount you'd gave out in the previous three years. So obviously you had a bad sleep. You were worried about the journey to Breaking. The car was maybe needing a service. There was something that just you were grumpy that day. So the first one was 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 Virgin and uh, GBH, if I remember right. <laughs> and the last one was you know uh, an an over enthusiastic actually. There's a wee story about the last one as well. So it was the assistant referee that got in. To be honest, Michael Banks, it was lovely guy and sharp as attack as assistant referee, and he spotted something that I didn't see. Hard to believe but he spotted yes. something I didn't see, which was a celebration of said scorer of equalising goal that got us all the replay. So anyway, he's done the old Joe Jordan to the away support, which is not really acceptable in any game, but definitely not a derby and definitely not an equaliser in the last minute of the Scottish Cup. So forgiving the old Joe Jordan, you know, I, I know the, you know the movement I'm talking about. He had yes. to go. There's, there's no two ways about it. It's that you must leave. 
So through the comms kit, through, and I couldn't help myself here. He's like, red card, red card. I said it was number three. I brought number three. I brought number three, red card. I says, Michael, I'll need to come over. We need to discuss I was this. breaking forth for John just to make oh, you aware. I don't think I brought was really involved in it. That was it. That was a punchline. I came out and I said to him, are you sure? Are you sure? It was our growth number three because it's breaking that a plane four for the day. <laughs> 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 Sorry, apologies. Gareth will edit it out. Oh. Uh, so th- there you go. The selective memory uh, that you've always had. Yeah, you came to the fore there. So well done. Congratulations. 22 red cards actually is not a lot when you consider and the, st- the over 700 yellow cards, ugh, it's just nothing really, isn't it, no? Hi, I'm Craig McEwen, I'm the St Caddox manager, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Des Roach. Thanks, Gareth. We begin in the East, with big guns on Lithgow Rose, have replaced Brown Ferguson with ex-striker and crowd favourite Gordon Heard. Heard arrives at Pressingfield with his ex-Cameland coaching team of John Miller and Eamon Fullerton. Heard has got straight to work and reshaping the squad in his own image by bringing on board from Bones the duo of Connors, McMullen and Mackenzie, while also allowing experienced right-back Scott Stevenson to be made available for transfer. In the West, staying on a Lithgow theme, Pollock had been busy finalising a deal to bring in from Lithgow centre-half David Brownlee. The 24-year-old and one-time Rangers youth, as well as having time with a handful of senior clubs, settled in extremely well on his debut and rightly won Man of the Match last week in the 1-0 win at home to Darvo. Brownlee was brought in to help cover the defensive injury crisis that has seen skipper Paul Gallagher miss games and David Barron missing through work commitments. Leaving the lock row has been winger Alex McWaters. He's the party for Coburnie and he links up with a new management team and fellow Greenock bodies Sean Dillon and Tommy Malloy. After spending the best part of 20 years as a loyal servant to the club as a player, coach and manager, Colin Clark and Renfrew are party company. Clarkie is a genuine Renfrew legend, having achieved league winning titles and building teams from scratch every year with former co-boss Martin Ferry. Jimmy Quigley, Ryan Boris and Ian Nicholson have been asked to take the team in temporary control until a new manager is appointed. Up in the SPFL, well, it's a story of the goalkeepers on the move. Hibbs, they've dipped into League One for the services of David Mitchell after taking him from Clyde and giving him the opportunity of full-time football again after his previous experiences at Dundee and Falkirk. In return, Danny Lennon has made a coup in persuading Neil Parry to move to Broadwood from Alloa. Parry has been an absolute standout and a highly rated player among all the fans in the lower leagues in recent years. Over Edinburgh City, Gary Naismith, he has signed Innes Murray on loan from Hibs and he had made an immediate impact in his home debut by creating two goals for another ex-Hibby, Danny Handling. The first goal came after just 18 seconds and the second after 7 minutes. Well, I think that's what you call hitting the ground running. And finally, up in the Highlands, for Martin United, have reached the semi-final of the Aberdeenshire Cup after easing past Huntley at North Lodge Park. Johnny Smith, he was the hero after grabbing a hat-trick in the first half. Joining them are Banks of D. The D defeated holders Fraserburgh 2-1 in a keenly contested affair. Well, that's this week's roundup. 
Hope everyone's feeling well and safe and looking forward to football again this Saturday. Back to Gareth. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank and you're listening to Down the Divisions. John, t- t- tell us also a bit, uh, again, going back to the juniors, you've mentioned you've been back to some of the, the clubs you've been at before. Back back in the day, where would be the, some of the other grounds you'd like you'd like going to? I mean, and, and sometimes could it be could it be about the atmosphere? Sometimes it could be because it was a good cup of tea after the game, and they make a nice you know they give you a good welcome and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cup of tea man myself. I'm kind of renowned for judging people and how good their tea is and how, how, how clubs you know get themselves a self-odd penalty or a, or a decent free kick in an attacking area, depending on the quality of the biscuit that accompanies tea. But um, uh, there's many junior teams that I like, and I'm sorry, call them juniors again for many different reasons. I had a soft spot for Luger. I just loved the folk at Luger when I was coming through. Uh, they, were, they were punching above their weight at the time as well, Luger, so it was a good place to go. Your, your Carnock's, Auckland Lex, Glen Aftons, you know, they speak for themselves, your Meadows, Cowan and Rangers. And I'm, I'm speaking Ayrshire because that's where I, you know, I, I grew up, your Beath and Kilburnies. But you also, you know, when the, the two leagues came together when I was a junior referee, so that last year in juniors, you began to spread your wings a bit further. So I got to the Pollocks and the Arthurleys. Um, uh, you know, Paul, Mary Hill at the time, Mary Hill were a big team as well to get. So I had a lot of them. And I actually refereed Tayport um, nine times in the Scottish Cup over the years. You know, probably more than some of the Ayrshire teams, just because you were you were getting a good run of games in the Scottish Cup. So... Tayport, Lithgow Rose, some of the big giants. Um, you were the Scottish Cup sometimes took you to places that you didn't uh, get in your bread and butter, which was nice as well. And we've talked about the, the good things, but I've talked to referees who who have said, you know, if you can referee the juniors as the, as it was when you're on your own, when you've got no police, no stewards, no team around you, you can referee at any level, but. You know, did you ever have any of those occasions where you've come back and the the tyres have been let down, or you know, you've you've just been quite glad to get away from a ground here and there? Yeah, never tyres let down, but you know, how long have you got? With the stories about glad to get out of a place. I mean, there's there's a few belters to be honest. There's, um, I remember way back in my my early days refereeing at um, Craig Mark Bertonians in in Dalmellington. Uh, they're playing Advan Vicks. And again, on my own, Stuart will find it hard to believe, but I missed a red card offence where a player from Irvine Vicks apparently has banjoed a player from Craig Mark. So I've missed this. You kind of know it's happened. You know you know by the, the way the players are reacting that, oh, right, I missed that there. Um, and they, it turned out it was the manager's son at Irvine Vicks. He substituted him right. I can't remember the bloke's name, but he substituted him right away to, to get him to safety. But what I did manage to catch was the four red cards for Craig Martin Bertonians in the aftermath, who were just basically trying to kill anybody with an Irvin Vic strip on. And they, they got to one stage, they turned around and they says, how many players is it we need to get the game abandoned? You know, that, that was the level it was getting to. So I, I get through this game, seven players, kind of remember the score, I'm delighted to survive, and I'm walking off the park and there's, you know, wall of noise, wall of noise. And all they want to do is get to this Irvin Vic's boy. But in one of these surreal moments, they just crowd went quiet and I could hear two wordies from Craig Mark talking to each other and one says to the other, I don't know how the referee missed it, it was right behind his back. (laughs) (laughs) I I did manage to keep my face straight and get in the dressing room. So that was was a real highlight there. Would would that be the, I say the worst one, but would that be the the one where you were most relieved to get away? No, I had a horrible day at um, Auchinleck once with Arthurley. It was a a miserable day of just anything that, Ha- it was going to happen, happened, and I, 
Uh, I was the recipient of a, a overly friendly brush of the head with a, a player at the end of the match. Um, and that was an unsavoury incident. And it, I, I don't like dwelling on that because it's such an aberration in the game. And it's not what junior football is about. It's not what junior football was about. It was a horrible incident that I have to say that the, the, the then Scottish Junior Football Association handled it, you know, impeccably. You know, they, they dealt with it very professionally. Um, but it was, a, I say, that was an aberration. I, I wouldn't dwell on that. We've talked about, you know, the likes of the Hope Brothers and Bob Valentine earlier on. There's there's one former referee who, without fail, listens to this podcast. And normally without fail, even the weeks when we suddenly didn't have those two or three weeks without a show, the first Friday night, not even the Saturday morning, the Friday night, there was a message there saying, no podcast this week, boys. <laughs> Colin Hardy. Oh, ah, yes, Colin. His, his boy's a referee. I, I can I coach Colin's boy um, for a year, Ross. Who's just he's just cutting his teeth now at the lower levels of senior football. Lovely boy, not like his dad. Really, really nice boy. And you knew you know Colin from the refereeing circles as well. Yeah, I've, I've ran the line for Colin because Colin was a couple of years ahead of me. So you know, I, I'd um, in the kind of lower leagues of football, I've been out with Colin a few times. Um, it, it, actually, they're very different styles of refereeing, Colin and, and his boy. Both effective in their own way. I mean, Colin is a really effective junior referee and maybe a style like mine, gruff from time to time, can work. You, you yeah, mean that's immobile as well? Uh, that's a bit searing, uh, you know. I'm a bit offended at that, to be honest. You know, I, I, Colin had a turn of pace. He might have been a bit rotund, but he had a turn of pace. You know, that, that's, that's, that could be used to effect. Whereas me, I'm just like a big locomotive. More <laughs> <laughs> you know, you turn in, forget about the turn it's not happening. But no, Ross, Ross is, you know, Ross is a, a prospect and a, a very different style of refereeing to his dad um, and, you know, a, a lovely bloke as well. Uh, Colin, obviously I know and uh, from the past and a lovely man, you know, and I'm sure he'll be giving him uh, all the advice he needs, you know, to Ross and hopefully, hopefully we hear more about Ross in the future. And uh, another referee who's associated with this show, uh, Mr. Des Roach. Um, I believe he ran the line for you on your first category game, category one game, Queen's Park against Stenhouse Muir Hamden. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a, a wonderful place to start your, your Cat 1 referee in at Hamden Park. Couldn't ask for a, a better venue. And what was really nice about that day was my dad and the crowd watching as well. I mean, my dad's a, a proper football man, as is, is my brother. My dad's actually Sonny Deed. Uh, he's banned for football for life. And my brother is also Sonny Deed. So I'm very much the black sheep of the family that decided to go for the refereeing route. But um, you, can, you can quiz me that in a minute if you want. But Des, I, I mean, Des is a great bloke. You know, a, a fantastic um, chap, a good referee. But I had the real misfortune of refereeing uh, Desi's Colburnie laid side when he got the sack uh, a few weeks ago. That was that was horrible. It was horrible because I, I remember Colburnie is a fantastic team. You know, like Jim Hughes, the captain, you know, right, good place to go. Competent team, always challenging. And they just... They were, they were half the team they were. And it was horrible to see Des having to get through that in the second half. Any any stories you could tell us about Des over the years? No, Des is a no mark. You know, I've absolutely no. I don't, you know, I hardly, hardly remember the bloke as a referee, to be honest. You know, he's just one of the guys who, you know, when you'd go away the training camps, he would just, he'd sit in his room with his Runners World magazine, you know, dreaming of the days it should have been. Nah, nothing to say about Des. Stuart, anything about Des as a referee? Funny you should say that, Gareth. <laughs> My worst ever result 
and there was many as Clyde manager. Des had unfortunate time of having Des in the middle of refereeing on match away to Montrose. Ah, the score was Montrose 8, Clyde 1. We were down to nine men after 20 minutes due to the incompetence <laughs> of the match official on that particular day. <laughs> In particular, the second red card. He's gave a foul to us, but decided to listen to the assistant referee, changed his mind, gave Montrose a penalty and a red card to our centre half. And Des was only 10 yards away from the incident and the assistant referee was maybe 40 yards away. So I knew there and then that Des had no future as a referee. <laughs> if I'd watched him, I mean, I, and I, I have spoke to him very briefly uh, when I told him he got out the road a few years ago, uh, but... <laughs> I'm told by everybody within football, Des is a nice guy, and it's unfortunate that uh, he's lost his job uh, in the juniors, it's, although it's west of Scotland or whatever, as John keeps saying, we, we always refer it to as the juniors. So I'm sorry to hear that, uh, and I do believe he's a nice guy, but on that particular day, uh, I wasn't a particularly nice guy to Des because I felt there and then it was probably uh, about an eighth or ninth game without a win at Clyde, and I felt the writing was on the wall at that time, and I blamed Des for the eight goals. So, there you go. Thanks for reminding me of that, Cara. Well, the, the moral of the story seems to be referees need to stop listening to their assistant re- uh, assistant referees slash linesmen, really, because John's, John's relied on his linesmen. Pressing with his red, card, red cards, and now you're telling me that uh, Des has relied on his assistant. No, I think the moral of the story is that refereeing wasn't really for Des, to be honest. A few minutes ago, so it sounded like an apology to me. You've, you've kind of taken the rug from under your own feet there. I, it just, I'm getting flashbacks, John, to be honest. Uh, and not that I'm better in any way. <laughs> Let, let, let's come back to your dad and brother and what you just told us earlier Earlier there. John, tell us a bit more about that. They're fiery characters. I mean, I, I, I like to call my brother and my father chalk and chalk. You know, that's 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 the nature of them. And uh, they're not shy in telling you what they think. And my, my brother was a great player. My brother should have played a lot higher, like many many people will tell you. But, you know, he, if he wasn't getting a game, he'd, he'd change team. I think he played for about 12 junior teams. Or score everyone in there. So I think he was maybe trying to do the collection, get the whole lot of them. Um he didn't have that idea of you know working his way into the squad or working his way into the team. He just wanted to start and he wanted to play. So he'd be a bit mouthy. And my dad was like super mouthy. But you know, what he, guys that played for my dad's football teams, you know, they, they talk about him in the, you know the highest of terms. He's an old old fashioned football man, two three five or bust. You know, it's doesn't understand anything except two three five. And just love, he just comes to life when he talks about football. But um, I think it's something, it, 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 he's, he's never one for holding back when he thinks he's right. And um, I think he had a disagreement with the committee and would not retract. And it led to um, bye-bye Huey from the football. Um, but, he's, you know, he's, he still loves the game. He still gets to watch. 
How, how much longer are you going to referee for, John? I mean, you're, you're saying you're loving it. You've got the buzz. You're sounding enthusiastic about it. Are you going to keep on going till the legs, you know, stop carrying you? If I can't do the job, I stop. I mean, I would never shop Jane Dan. That, that's not fair because football's too important to whoever's playing, be that, you know, Paul's team, New Mains United, you know, be that, you know, Rangers or Celtic. You know, if you're if you're not to the level you're at, you come off it. And that, that's the right thing to do. I, I, I do referee the over 35s, though, on a, on a Friday night as oh, well. Yeah. You know, so that, that's certainly my pace. You know, that's uh, I'm loving yeah. that. Came across a few ex-players as well. Uh, JP McGovern a couple of weeks ago and Martin Canning, uh, the very first game I'd done, Big Martin was playing. Uh, and that's nice because, you know, it's just a, it's a good spirited football on a, on a Friday night. So there are other options to keep going. And maybe someday, you know, when uh, I, I might go and do the, the, the supervising referees. I've coached referees all the time. I was a, a, a senior referee myself. I've done informal supervisions, but, you know, I, I don't want to spend my Saturday sitting in a, maybe it's selfish, but I don't want to spend my Saturday sitting in a stand um, you know, watching somebody for an hour and a half, writing a report for an hour and a half, phoning, you know, all, all the rest of it. You know, when I'm at Stuart's age and you know, I'm good for nothing, you know, that, that's the time to start sitting in the stand. You know, I've got, I've got plenty plenty left of me, yeah. Uh, do you not feel a fraud, though, taking a wage when you're stopping a young guy, a young referee, you know, that could be picking up a wage that he really needs, you know, and, and you're obviously in your mansion and, and you know Barbados and wherever you know so uh, do you not feel guilty about that? You know, well that you've just set me up nicely Stuart because there's a problem in refereeing just now and it's not the one that everybody thinks and it's that that is a shortage and it's partly Covid COVID and, infused that we lost quite a lot of referees in Scotland uh, to Covid and they haven't come back and it was a year when we didn't get that new throughput of referees so every single week uh, without fail Every single week in the WhatsApp groups, there's messages coming out for desperate for referees and youth football and women football. And something last week that I've never, ever seen in all my time in refereeing, so you're going back, you know, 20, 30 years. The SFA put out a call asking if there was eight referees to get covered for the, uh, the East of Scotland Football League. That's unprecedented. So, you know, actually all codgers like me need more people coming through so that we can be put out to grass because just now there's a shortage of referees in youth football and women football in a couple of regions. In fact, I'd go as far to say, if there's any referee out there that's got qualifications that's wasting their time doing journalism or anything like that, it's about time you picked up that whistle again and, you know, did your bit for Scottish football. Gareth. I, John, I, I hung up my whistle a long time ago. Just, uh, just waiting for him to hang up his pencil as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we, just, do need, we do need more folk in refereeing. And I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not stealing a wage because um, there, there's a shortage, but we certainly need more referees. Referees are doing too many games because they're basically desperate to get games on. You know, guys are doing more games than they should be at weekends. And we're talking youth football here. We need more people coming in. So, if, you know, there's, there's classes starting up across the whole of the country. And I'd encourage MD, you know, whatever level of football you're at, if you fancy giving it a go, you'd be more than welcome to see if you like it. It's not for everybody, you know, but we, we desperately need more people coming through. Well, you're putting it out there, John, which is great, you know, so let's uh, be great if you, if we could have a response to that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... But I still need my 40 quid to go to my Barbados... Uh, okay, no, no, that's fine, no problem. You, you, you mentioned about the classes, John, uh, and you referred to to my refereeing qualification there back when I started at the paper. Uh, my boss put me on the twelve week course uh, to just experience what it was like to to become a qualified referee. 
found the, the theory side fascinating. Did three games in the end, I think. Uh, and you say it's for some and it's not for others. I remember doing my first game up at a uh, school in Springburn and I could not get away from the park quick enough. But I love the theory and the theory the theory has helped me in my job in a sense as well. You know, it's like there's still the grey areas, but there's more, there's less grey areas. Uh, but I mean, I think I think it's a great thing that the SFA do putting on these courses. And um, I was going to say, what is what you know? You speak about it so enthusiastically. What what has it given you refereeing? What 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 is what has it given you in your life that that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't have done the refereeing? And maybe tell us a bit about what prompted you to get into it. Yeah, I mean, it was a boys' brigade, you know, if I go to what got me into it, football all my days, but can I fell out of love with football in my kind of middle teens, I was more into running, you know, I got into fell running, um, uh, running was my thing, uh, a bit of orienteering as well, uh, liked football, but lost that, you know, dig, I didn't have the dig, it wasn't hard enough, if I'm honest about it, um, I was more of a spaceman, you know, like the Alan Hansen philosophy to defend, and if you need to do a tackle, you've not done your job right, you know, you got to read a game and intercept, once that kind of tackling became part of it then I was out so it was a way for me to keep involved with football because I still love football but it was I, I kind of quickly realised that combination of using your brain and using your fitness and managing I, I love the managing people you know I just really really like that that challenge of getting out there with 20 and it's mainly guys it's obviously not only guys I've had the pleasure of refereeing Hope Solo and Megan Rapinoe um, and superstars as that um, but mainly guys that are refereed and just that challenge of, you know, working with 22 guys that just see the world from their view and, you know, getting yourself through a game and, you know, making a good job of it as well. Taking a wee bit of pride in what you do. That, that, that I've got a lot out of that over the years. Met some fantastic people as well. And, you know, the fact that Stuart and I know each other is something that people would be not think about. You'd think about referees has been a world apart. I mean, I've known you, Gareth. We've sat at functions Stuart's driven me home from those functions. Um, <laughs> folk, you know, back backroom staff at many clubs. You know, kit men. You know, Martin Gray, Mad Martin Gray at Forfa. Um, lots of people in the juniors uh, over the years still in touch with. You know, the, the odd the few from the juniors. Lots of really really good football folk. Um, which is you know at the end of the day is fantastic. You know, um, so I think that the personal personal contacts it's not a, it's not a fame thing for me you know it's not about me being famous or you know me getting to know players that were famous that never really floated my boat it was maybe it's more selfish in my part it was that that challenge of getting through 90 minutes and thinking you've done a good job uh, always motivated me and that's why i still do it you know still do it because it's the challenge is still there and play, players always say they never look at the ratings in the paper referees rubbish absolute rubbish I mean, if you, if you get a high mark in the, in the papers, well, that's a, a mark of shame. If you get a two out of ten, it's something you wear like a badge. You know, you know you've done the job right when you've upset a journalist. But I have got a story here to tell about this one, uh, Gareth, as well. It was Strunar, but it was before Stuart's time at Strunar, where um, done with Eddie Mack. Eddie Mack's a referee. I'm, I'm the assistant referee. Uh, we finished the game. We came out after the game, and there's a guy hanging about outside the dressing room. Name escapes me just now, but he was somebody that I taught as a student. Uh, and he, was, he said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm doing covering the game for the Sun. He's just own paper, Gareth, for the Sun. Because obviously, the, you know, you, they put out guys to cover the games across the country. So I said, how are you getting back up the road? He says, well, I need to wait for the train because I don't drive. I says, I'll have a word with Eddie. Eddie's a referee. He's going back to Glasgow. You can drop you off. So that was fine with Eddie. But I did insist that the only way he was getting that lift is if Eddie got 10 out of 10 in the papers on the, on the Sunday. 
He says, I can't do it. He says, the editor will know by it. I says, well, it's up to you, but you need, you need to put a decent mark in. So, um, obviously, uh, bought the sun. I'm not saying if I'm a regular buyer or not, Gareth. But I uh, um, gets a paper and it's like Kenny Clark, 3 out of 10. Willie Young, 2 out of 10. Eddie Mack, 9 out of 10. So, all you need to do is you just need to humour them, give them a lift. <laughs> Tell them they're great and you're a good mark. So, yes, referees look at it. Don't let them tell you they don't. Absolutely. Just before we come on to your uh, life away from refereeing, uh, got a game this weekend? I have. I've got. Uh, I'm actually going up north on Saturday orienteering, so I'm taking a, a weekend off the Saturday games. But I have uh, Harmony Row against Thorn Athletic on Friday night at eight o'clock. Uh, that wants to get herself out to the, the Brayhead area to watch Harmony Row and, and see a master class on this refereeing in the centre circle. Uh, uh, that is the the place to be. <laughs> And you mentioned your orienteering, so that leads us quite nicely into your love of the outdoors. Uh, written some cycling books? Yeah, I have a couple of cycling books about cycling hill climbs and lots of plans to write more that, you know, never seem to get done. Uh, I love cycling. I, I tend to, if I, I got a chance, go away with my brother and do some of the big uh, alpine climbs. We've been away a couple of times um, with my brother abroad, or, or a couple of uh, big challenges here in Scotland. Uh, cycling, orienteering, running, you know, I uh, love the outdoor sports. Well, I, I was doing I'm not any good at them. I'm as good as them as I'm a refereeing. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was doing my research earlier. Stumbled across the New York Journal of Books. And I, Aye, that's right. And there was, a, there was a profile on there that said, uh, I'll just read it out quickly. Without sufficient resources to procure a Ferrari for his midlife crisis, John McKendrick decided instead to complete a bike ride across the roof of the world from Lhasa to Kathmandu. Following an ever so brief and eventful training program in Lowland, Scotland, Mr. McKendrick completed his trip of a lifetime in the spring of 2007, thus rekindling his long-lost love affair with a bicycle. He's since published two books on road hill climbing in Scotland and is now working on a third book with a UK focus. Yep, so tell us about that. that book. Well, I was going to say, tell us about that uh, journey from Lassa to Kathmandu. You know, it was a, it was the midlife crisis. I had um, separated from the first wife. I was watching uh, television one Christmas, and it was, uh, well, who was it? Monty Python man that did the travel programs. Michael Palin. Michael Palin, and it was uh, just a wee clip. He was in, he was doing the, the Himalayan book, and there was a wee clip about a couple on a, a tandem that were cycling from Lassie to Kathmandu. And I thought, I fancy that, so I did a wee quick search and found not a tandem, obviously. I've not got any pals, I need to do it myself. <laughs> so I did a, a wee quick search and found that you could actually do it. You could sign up and, you know, just go and do it. So I started basically telling people I was I was going to cycle the Himalayas and I basically had to. And a, a couple of disasters in training. I mean, I remember that the, the, the first time I'd been in a bike in a long time, uh, my, my new wife, then, then partner, we were in Glasgow shopping for furniture. And I said, right, I'm going to cycle back to Airdrie from, from north of Glasgow. And it was over the Crow Road to get some hill climbing and some hill climbing practice. So I'm up the Crow Road and I'm coming down the Crow Road. And I'm thinking, I'm out of sorts. Legs are not working right here. And then my pedal fell off. My pedal actually <laughs> fell off going down the Crow Road. And my phone ran out of battery because I'm quite poorly organised. So I had to kind of like scooter the bike into this wee pub. Thankfully, the pub was still open on the, the other side of the valley. And then get Jillian to come out and pick me up. And then the, the other the other training ride I had, I had two training rides before going to the Himalayas. Uh, a, a, a calf muscle, or just the two. Quality, you know, quality, not quantity. A bit like my warm-ups. 
It was uh, I pulled my calf muscle going up the Tack Madun Road as well. And this was about two weeks before I was due to go, but it was fantastic. What a life experience, you know. Just a special, special place with a and and I I will pause for effect. A ten thousand foot downhill that lasted a day and a half at the end of it all. Um, you know, when you come off the Himalayan plateau down into Nepal, it was just absolutely incredible. You know, fantastic, fantastic trip. I had to leave it a day early. I had to leave it a day early because um, this is a life I led. I had to come back for Andy McWilliam, who's still going strong in uh, the senior football assistant referee, a very good friend, his stag weekend in Benidorm. So I left the Himalayas a day early to get back to Glasgow to fly straight to Benidorm for a stag weekend. Um, which is was just a, a, a contrast um, you will have never seen. And I, I did bring back a dodgy tummy. It was the worst the worst three days of my life, sitting in a hotel, working through uh, Eastern food, or the Eastern food worked its way through my system. I was going to say, where, which, which was tougher, the the psycho from Lassa to Kathmandu or the stag party? Ah, yeah, absolutely, you're right, the latter. <laughs> Give me the psycho of the week. Uh, what a trip. I'm still in touch with a lot of the people that went that trip. You know, we still keep in touch, Facebook friends and, you know, keep up to date with each other. That was a wonderful experience. How many, how many miles in total? And how I'm not really sure. It was, it was more like the, 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 the number of serious plateaus. You're up, you know, you're the, one of the guys, what the strongest cycle, actually, a cyclist that a lot of us took altitude sickness. Um, you know, and you don't know how your body's going to react. He was a medical doctor and done all the right preparation, but and it was even into the, the trip and he just come off one of the high plateaus and he couldn't stand up. His legs were giving way and they had to get him down as quick as they could just so the body could adjust. Um, that was, uh, it was an incredible, incredible trip. Really wonderful. And you've still got a book, a third book, cycling book on the way, you were saying? I've got plenty of ideas, plenty of ideas and not enough time. Um, my grand idea was when I finished refereeing, I was going to spend a year training for a triathlon as well. That was one of my other plans and then do some of these UK books. But COVID kicked in, so nobody could do anything really. Didn't excuse the fact that I didn't train for the triathlon. You know, we need to find an excuse for that one. But um, no, the books are still on the to-do list. I've not given up hope um, of doing them yet. Have you ever fancied a cycle from Lassa to Kathmandu, Stuart? No. <laughs> Think of the curries. Think of the curries, Stuart. Curries? What? The the, the electrical shop? <laughs> uh, I, I take it, though, the, I mean, you talk about fitness and things like that. You know, the cycling must help must help uh, you on a Saturday as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, when I started refereeing, it was very casual fitness. You know, we, all, we went training once a week. It was as much a social thing as anything else. It was a great chance to catch up with your mates. But gradually through my time in refereeing, we became more and more professional. It became more and more scientific. You know, you were getting sports scientists and you were getting psychologists even for a while working. Not psychiatrists, Stuart. Psychologists working yeah. with, with, with referees for a while. Uh, nutritionists coming in to give you advice. And, you know, increasingly you, your training was getting measured. It wasn't at the start, but very much is now. And I can remember um, somebody mentioning that my orienteering was very similar to what a game is like because there's a lot of stops, you know, really fast, really fast, Stuart, emphasise that, really fast movement, stopping and then starting again because obviously you're stopping for corner kicks in the line and orienteering's a bit like that. So, you know, the types of sports I did outside, it did help with the, the general fitness for refereeing, absolutely. And just last of all, tell us more about the orienteering. I mean, it's obviously something that you're, you're very passionate and keen to do. Tell us, uh, for those even, the, for even those out there who aren't quite sure what orienteering involves. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbish at it. I'll, I'll start with that. I, I'm just back tonight, actually. I mean, last night I went and did an urban event uh, out at Canvas Barron, and tonight I'm just literally back in the door from doing a, a park event at Lanark. What it, what it involves is you get a map, and you've got a number of circles in the map that you've got to visit in the order, you know, numbered one to ten, for example. You've got to follow that order. So you're navigating yourself um, around, a, around a course. You're reading the map. You're moving as fast as you can. You're trying not to get lost. I absolutely love it. You know, it's a great, great. You know, it's funny. I see it very similar to refereeing because, you know, they're both sports that you need to be fit to do it. But it's also they're both thinking exercises. In refereeing, it's as much about how you're thinking it through, how you're managing it. And it's the same with orienteering. You're thinking about your next move. You're making decisions all the time. Um, so very, very similar in some respects. Although, you know, you would struggle to see the connection between the two. And I'm rubbish at both of them. Well, and well, saying that, I mean, if, if you are, if you aren't, if you're saying you're not very, very good at orienteering, you must have then got lost at some stages over the years. I mean, what, what have you found yourself in deepest, darkest territory and, and lost for hours? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I once got lost trying to find an orienteering event, you know, and I couldn't even get to the event. But, you know, when I've actually managed to find where the event is, I can remember once my, my brother and I we went to a really tough, because sometimes areas are tougher than others. There's a place called Auchengarrick, which is a really tough map, um, you know, out in Persia way. And I couldn't understand what was going wrong. I was trying to use a compass to help me. And, you know, I got back in and it was sending me all over the place. And I didn't finish the course. Managed to get back. Thankfully, I'm still here. And I'm saying, I just don't know what was wrong there. The compass wasn't working. And he said, your gloves. I said, what do you mean my gloves? And I looked at my gloves and my gloves had at the bottom of them two wee magnetic things to get them to stick together. So what was happening was it was sending a compass haywire. And I was all <laughs> over the place. So I managed to get myself in some pickles in the old orienteering. And once, in fact, my brother and I, we were, we were very good fell runners in our, in our youth. And um, I didn't have the heart to tell him when we were doing the Moor Mountain Marathon in Aaron, uh, sorry, in, in uh, Ireland. And the first night, we're, we're leading the class. You know, we were, the class that we ran were well ahead, we're miles ahead of the next group. But I didn't have the heart to tell Scott that I'd lost our compasses, both of them, in the first day. And we're not getting any backup compass because I've lost both of them. And we woke up the next morning to a pea super. <laughs> you couldn't see three yards in front of you. So needless to say, we didn't win that, um, and I don't think he's ever forgiven me. <laughs> tell, tell us about your uh, your day job, John. Yeah, so I'm a professor of social science at Glasgow Caledonian University. Uh, love my job, I always have done. Um, just allows me to investigate things that are of interest to me, and I've got two odd interests in the opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I research children's play, and I'm, I'm co-organising an international conference that's coming to Glasgow in 2023, with um, you know, Glasgow City Council, uh, the national play organisations. But my main interest is in child poverty and uh, helping those that are responsible for tackling child poverty in Scotland by just providing some research support. And uh, we've got far too many kids that are in poverty. A lot of good work done in football uh, to tackle different aspects of it. I'm, I'm involved in a, a charity, the Tartan Army Children's Charity, which do fantastic work. Um, and there are many others. I mean, Andy Robertson set up a, a football-related charity himself. So lots of good work. Achieve More Scotland, another example of a, a football-based charity in, in Glasgow. So um, there's many people in football doing good work to address this. And again, that's what I tend to do in my, in my day job. That is where? Uh, the Glasgow Caledonian University is where I'm based. I'm co-director of the Scottish Poverty and Inequality Research Unit. Bit of a mouthful. And obviously something that you're quite passionate about, you know, and, and the referee refereeing gives you a break from that and, and that gives you a break from the refereeing. 
very, very much so. I mean, I'm, you're right, I'm passionate. I think it's a disgrace that in an affluent country, and let's not forget, we are an affluent country. We should not have children living in poverty. We should not have families struggling the way that they do. So I'm as passionate about trying to contribute towards the efforts of those that want to do away with poverty as I am about my football and my refereeing. Hi, it's Murdo McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. So this week, we're looking for the SPFL League One club, or below League One, uh, that was formed by the congregation of a local church who agreed to take a month to each save £3 to get the club going. They're named <laughs> after the patron saint from the town where they're based. They're one of the oldest clubs in the south of Scotland League, and the town where they play has a harbour. So, so I think John's pretty confident, so we'll go to Stuart first. Oh, all right, okay. You're you're certainly not talking about an SPFL club, eh? SPFL oh, you league. Might, you might be, Stuart. You might be. No, well, knowing the South of Scotland league because Stranraer reserves playing that. That's right. Okay, I would have a wee guess at Cree Town. Wrong. <laughs> or I was just thinking about Cree Town. <laughs> or I mean, there's a lot. Newton Stewart's down there. Three Wrong. Rovers. Wrong. Are down there. And to be fair, I didn't watch much of the reserves. Okay, right. Okay, right. On you go, John. You have the glory again. It's, a, it's Scotland. Good luck. Uh, no problem. That's it. That's it in the back here. In the back. It's Scotland's Arp Town. The team's St Cuthbert Wanderers, and it's Kirkcudbury. Unlike men, much of John's career he's got that decision right <laughs> what a way to end <laughs> the law the law averages come to mind Gareth I'd just like to announce my retirement for refereeing tonight I'm a peak can I go any oh, higher no, no I was at that game eight years ago <laughs> just, just for the listeners uh, they were they were founded in 1879 they were named after St Cuthbert of Lindisfarne and they're obviously playing Kakubri. John, thanks for thanks for joining us this week. Really enjoyed the stories, and uh, we're good. We're glad to have your refereeing in the the West of Scotland League. Uh, good luck with your orienteering, your cycling, and and everything else you're doing. Well, just to th- say thank you very much, John. Uh, that was an insight into the John McKendrick that that obviously a lot of supporters and such like will not know. Uh, remarkable career you've had and uh, remarkable life that you live uh, and no good on you and long may it continue thank you john thanks gareth thanks Stuart. it's been a pleasure been on uh, and it's great listening to the the, the podcast uh, it's great listening to the insights of everybody that's contributing to scottish football at the at the lower league levels uh lower's a bad name for it you know uh, turn it in its head you know the the the, the salt of the earth football um and it's as important to Scotland, I think, as your, your elites and your greats is what's going on at the, the west of Scotland um, and the, the lower leagues of the SPFL. Great job. And thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative 2. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show, our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. 
Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. Stuart, thanks for sitting in this week. No, pleasure, Gareth, and I'm only keeping the seat warm for until Paul's return. So uh, hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later. And we'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions.